0: listen to the soothing sounds of my white noise machine otherwise known as my space heater i am downstairs i'm supposed to be painting i am staring at a painting that i started yesterday and i love the way it looks right now it's it's like the underpainting and honestly i'm tempted to leave it in this phase just because of the kind of ghost-like look that it has to it it's surreal um, but knowing me, I'm probably not going to leave it this way because one, this is a huge piece of canvas and it's, uh, well, it's very expensive <laughs> for me to just be like, yeah, let me just paint half a painting and then leave it. And two, I do have some aspects of myself that is obsessed with form and wanting to create form, um, and capture it on, on canvas. So I, uh, will keep painting it anyway. Hope you guys are as usual staying positive, staying happy um and avoiding the news. This episode is going to be about malware, specifically viruses, most specifically parasites. I I don't expect this this episode to appeal to a lot of people. I don't expect this podcast to appeal to more than like literally in the entire world like a handful of people. Uh, this 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 podcast was never intended to reach masses of people and to gain mass popularity um, It was more just kind of born out of uh, a desire to connect with people who were relatively conscious and um, very aware of their of their of the world and the nature of reality, you know, and questioned the nature of the re- of reality and kind of thought outside the box. And, you know, if you are listening to this podcast right now, especially if you are a regular subscriber, um, then you totally understand what I mean by this, um, because you've probably found yourself in the same shoes that I found myself in when I decided, fuck it, I'm just going to do my podcast and just start recording my thoughts. And hopefully there are other people out there that I will be able to connect with and they will understand what it is that I'm saying and where I'm coming from. And, you know, people who think outside the box. I uh, was watching, I'm on season two now of, uh, humans. And I just found out that, uh, Humans didn't get renewed, which is kind of annoying. Um, Because I hate it when you, like, you get into a show, you start watching it, and you realize that as, like, you're binge watching it, and you're Googling um, new episodes and new seasons, you realize that, uh, you know, the final season is going to leave you with a bunch of cliffhangers. But it is what it is. You know, I'm going to enjoy the content of it. But I'm at this phase... Um, on this episode, I think it's episode three or so, uh, where a, a code has gotten released and the intent was to make all of the like robots conscious and, uh, turned out it was just like one in a hundred thousand robots became sentient as opposed to um, what the person who released the 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 code the program the consciousness program thought was going to happen, so it was like a very very vol- like a very very small like point zero zero one percent of the entire population of robots started to become sentient and self aware and or conscious um and as i um as I watched that, I wondered hmm. Maybe I wonder if those kind of numbers would apply to the world's population Um, out of the 7 billion people, what percentage of human beings are actually conscious? And I would probably say it's also like 0.001%, which is a very small percentage of people and an even smaller percentage of percentage of those group of people listen to podcasts and those are the people I'm trying to talk to and reach. And so if I reach, you know, if I reach like a thousand subscribers, we're close to about half that or thereabout, give or take, you know, which avenues you're listening from. Um Including like YouTube and video shares and downloads and you know across the board um so not a lot by today's standards where I think the you know quote unquote the amount of followers that you have makes you feel you know special or whatever, so we're definitely i'm not I'm not gonna be getting I'm hoping to not have. Hundreds of thousands of people listening to this uh, podcast because it just, a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about is for a particular type of mind. And I I don't want popular appeal um, because I don't want to put myself in a situation where I start having to tailor the things that I talk about to avoid controversy. And I'm, a, I'm able right now to speak on controversial uh, topics and ideas um, and flying under the radar, so to speak, and doing so. Um, and, and I like that, and I would like to keep it that way. Um, so I said all that to say this, that if you know, the things that I'm talking to you about make sense and you feel compelled, compelled to share, just be mindful um, of the people that you're sharing the podcast with um, and just make sure that the person that you choose to you know share this podcast with um, is also on the same wavelength as you, if you know what I mean. Um, let's keep it niche. I, I've noticed we've been getting even with all of this has been going on, we've been getting like a slight uptick of um, of listeners. We have close to now two thousand um, plays um, for a. For a a show that I pretty much don't really advertise, and it's mostly word of mouth. I just recently started kind of, you know, pinging uh, Overcast um, ads. So, hello, Overcast listeners! Um, But to have that many people listening in, or at the very least, haven't have played, you know, at least a couple of the episodes it's like okay great thank you but i just want my regular listeners to just be mindful of you know my intent intention which is to keep it very niche um just so i can keep keep talking about the things that i'm talking about and then whatever it is you do with that information you know and you know and utilize it to improve on your life like that's more my ultimate goal you know can you better your life and the one and the lives of people that you care about. Most importantly, can you dis- decrease suffering? Now, one of my friends, I talked to her about this because she was saying, like, can, you know, do you want to blow this up? And I said to her, nah, I'm good. The reason why I said that is, well, the main reason. So um, people are very, very, very unconscious. Um, and, and I have no... At the risk of sounding repetitive, I have no desire to speak to unconscious people. And they're also very reactive. And what I mean by that is here's a case in point. Um, A couple of weeks ago, Donald Trump said that hydrochloroquine was an effective treatment against uh, COVID 19. And then uh, a couple, a married couple who were actually not quote unquote Trump supporters, And this is how the news reported it. I'm not sure why it matters. Um, And I'm sure they they know why it matters to them to report who they supported. Anyway, they went and they took like chloroquine for fish aquarium. And then the husband ended up dying. And then the, the wife ended up becoming like extremely sick. So it's just you hear something, you don't properly research it. You don't go through the proper avenues to fucking like figure out if what you've heard is accurate, and then find out how whatever it is that you heard could be safe for your consumption, and then horrible things end up happening, and then the person who you know mentioned, you know the the quote unquote treatment or whatever, ends up now being demonized like that person is responsible for. People, grown adults reacting to what they heard and not being conscious and thinking like, maybe I shouldn't consume uh, aquarium cleaner, okay? So <laughs> those kind of individuals and that level of reactivity is what I I spent a lot of my life trying to guard against and avoid. I, I really do avoid unconscious people as though they are plagued and not because I feel by any means that I am quote unquote better than unconscious people. No, I just, I up until a certain point in my life, I'd say like maybe my mid twenties, I had lived a very unconscious and reactive life. So to me, like I've been there, done that. And it's to me like being sick, you know, And then being healthy and then like working like over a decade to try to be a healthier individual, you know, physically, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally. um, Right. You become super like (laughs) paranoid about the people that you surround yourself with because you don't want to get back, go back to that place again. Right. So that's how I live my life now. And that's one of the reasons behind my recording of this podcast. I'm going to pull up a bunch of, of this episode, rather. I'm going to pull up a bunch of thoughts and ideas that I've been thinking about. And I'm going to obviously preface it because I have to um, with with this statement that I am not a medical doctor. This does not constitute constitute as medical advice. Please go see an actual fucking doctor if you have any sicknesses or diseases or malaise or whatever, and follow their guidelines if that's what you feel like you need to do. Um, there are also, um, there are naturopathic doctors. Um, you can follow that route as well. This show is called Your One Black Friend. I talk about things that I would talk to my friends about. Um, and most of, most people understand that when you're just shooting the shit with your friends, you kind of take what your friends say you know, at face value, or if you find it interesting, you do your own research and you don't just react like what the person said is gospel. Okay. So that's my preamble. Um, you get it. We get it. We're all on the same page. I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice. I just want you to like, listen to what I'm talking about. Um, and this is more like a stream of consciousness episode. The last couple of episodes have been that way. Um, but it's Born out of me making observations um, over the, especially today, over the last couple of weeks of what's been happening, and then me putting two plus two plus two together, and this is the conclusion that I'm spitting out right now. Okay, and it all boils down to parasites across the board. Okay, my first thought, right? There was this louse medication. That it starts with an IV iverticin or whatever. I don't know what the name of it is. I suggest that you Google Laos. Oh, there it is. Sorry. I was uh it's an antiparasitic drug that had come out in the 1980s and it's called ivermectin. Okay. Um Google ivermectin and COVID-19 and you'll find little blips of articles saying that ivermectin has been used and has been found to be effective against the virus covid-19 so an antiparasitic drug which has been effective against bugs like lice and worms have has been shown to be also effective against the virus COVID-19, check one. Check two, you have heard repeatedly Donald Trump claiming and other, and and not other, but and doctors as well supporting his claim, not just in the United States, but they are using hydrochloroquine to treat COVID-19. They used it in China. They used it in France. They've used it in Spain. They've used it in Italy. And doctors here are using it, and and if you scroll through the bullshit, you'll be able to find articles of lots of doctors that don't seem partisan to me, that have fi- have found success in utilizing an anti-malarial drug, and malaria being a type of another type of parasite, to treat COVID nineteen. I'm not talking about the side effects. That's not the point of this episode. I just want you to follow my, my train of thought. Now, I went and I researched, I started researching um, hydrochloroquine. And what I found that artemisinin, which is another anti-parasitic drug, has been effective and shown to be more effective than hydrochloroquine against malaria. And so I started to search for artemisinin, specifically artemisinin anua. It is essentially the Latin uh, name for an herb, a really bitter herb called warmwood. Now, if you go on on Amazon or iHerb or Swanson, you type in Wormwood, you will find different complexes. Read through the comments and people will basically say That wormwood, um, artemisinin, um, you know, is effective against the treatment or against parasites. And then I started looking up artemisinin and to buy some. And I realized, I started to notice that just like zinc, zinc is now sold out completely. Like, well, if you're able to find it, buy it. Um, But I've been having a hard time sourcing just basic zinc. Um, uh, Doctors on YouTube have claimed that if you take hydrochloroquine with antibacterial, which antibiotics rather, and zinc all together, it should cure or shorten or treat the length of time in which a person is infected with covid-19 so long as you catch it in time before you obviously like need a fucking ventilator right so the key is to catch it when the viral load is low okay now zinc is sold out artemisinin which is basically which more or less basically does the same thing um, as chloroquine is all sold out as well. Why are antiparasitic drugs being utilized effectively against a virus? Don't you find that weird? I found that weird, and so I started to do some more research. Also, ginger which has anti-parasitic uh, benefits, effective. Lime juice, which I, I've said in a couple episodes now, that my mom, when they were in Nigeria, when somebody would have malaria, they would drink lime juice at the onset of it. Has also been shown, and lime juice, like I'm having a hard time. I, it was like not available when I looked on Amazon. You have to go to the actual store. Um, although you could argue, well, a lot of things are not available right now and out of stock because a bunch of people are buying it. But then you have to follow up with why are a bunch of people fucking buying it, right? Like clearly somebody, let's say doctors or virologists or, you know, we all are sending video messages to each other, right? And we all know a doctor. Clearly there are some doctors who are conscious of the fact that, okay, if if anti-parasitic drugs are working against this thing, this virus, then you know the natural version of it, or the natural extract of it, like artemisinin, wormwood, um, would work, you know, just as well if you have like a low viral load, because it's it's sold out if, as, long, as as well as if you take it along with zinc, turmeric, anti-parasitic, um, caprylic, um uh, which is uh, a coconut derivative is also something that boosts your immune system. But why does it boost your immune system? Right? So those are all things that I started thinking about. Then I started to really go onto the medical journals to really try to understand, well, what are the labels? Because what have I said to you guys in previous episodes? Be mindful of labels. He who labels you right? Conquers you. But if you take it a step further, a lot of the time when you roll with labels and you take things as what they're label, it literally stops you from thinking. It stops you from looking differently. So in our mind, we have been programmed to think that a virus and a parasite are two separate things. But my research has shown that a virus is a parasite. Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> a virus is a parasite. It's just a type of parasite. By definition, it's a very, very, very small parasite. And so it's its size and shape or whatever that makes it makes them shift it to a different category. So it makes scientists or virologists or whatever shift it to a different category. So now that you have, you can create different jobs, right? So then you can have one group of scientists studying viruses and then you have another group of scientists studying parasites, right? But clearly, old school virologists know that you can use antiparasitic drugs to treat viruses. Google it; it's out there. This is not, <laughs> you know, this is not news. Another thing that kind of struck me was that um, a lot of antiviral drugs, right? not only are they effective, or I should say a lot of anti... Yeah, let's say like a lot of antiviral drugs are also effective against parasites, right? But they are also used against um, cancer. So a lot of antiviral viral drugs are also utilized against cancer. Now, Google this um, article. It says, Mateon, M-A-T-E-O-N, expands its COVID-19 therapeutic program to include artemisinin. Artemisinin, like I said, is wormwood. It's an antiparasitic. So now you can we can effectively say that artemisinin, which is wormwood, which is all sold out, could has shown promise as uh, an effective treatment for COVID-19. And it's an antiparasitic. Like you take that shit for worms, right? And then um, ivermectin, which is also an antiparasitic, has been shown to be effective against COVID-19, which is a virus. And then we have hydrocolloquine as well. And I, I'm sure that if I had spent more time researching all the different types of natural antiparasitics that I'm conscious of at, and put, you know, like COVID-19 afterwards, I, you'd start finding out that a lot of antiparasitic, like both, you know, drugs and, um, and uh, supplements have been shown to be effective Against COVID nineteen. Now, some some people would hear what I'm saying now and, and say, "Well, is COVID nineteen then a parasite?" Yes and no. Um, no, in the in the terms of because my mom has just been calling it malaria. Now she's like, "Well, I mean, a lot of its symptoms remind me of malaria, so I'm just going to call it malaria now." Um, and I, that's her approach. It helps her deal with it and helps her process what's going on. Um, okay, but I'm not I'm not taking that leap. Like to me, that's That doesn't seem... That's not a logical conclusion for me to make. I'm not saying that other people can't make that conclusion. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying that anti-parasitic drugs work against viruses because viruses are just a different type of fucking parasite. Period. Okay. So now... Oh, to go back. Sorry, I jumped ahead or I jumped behind, so I'm going back to my point about anti um, viruses. So, I I started looking on looking up rem rem remdesivir, which is a drug that they're uh, currently using, uh, compassionate use, and uh, they're using it against. Um, they're using it compassionately to treat COVID-19 in extreme cases. But they had also tried it uh, against Ebola. And it worked, but it wasn't as effective as um, other things, uh, other treatments. Um, but a lot of antivirals, like I said, um, are something, they're, they're drugs that are categorized as nucleo nucleosides or nucleoside analog drugs and nucleoside analog drugs happen to be antiviral and i would argue uh antiparasitic um but also have been shown to be effective against hepatitis B um which i'm guessing that's i I'm guessing that's, cu- I haven't, I didn't, I don't know anything about hepatitis B, but I'm guessing that's caused by a virus. Um, obviously, HIV is a virus. Um, yes, hepatitis B would be caused by a virus because you have a vaccine for it, um, but also for chemotherapy. Okay, so you guys following my thought process here? If not, I'll, 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 I'll keep pushing. Um, there is a drug that was developed simultaneously in the 1950s by William Prusoff. It was initially developed as an anti-cancer drug. Ah, the name of the drug is idoxuridine or Idoxoridine. And then in 1962, it became the first antiviral agent. Okay, so now my brain starts kind of putting everything together. So you've got uh, anti-parasitic drug that treats viruses, but also treats some cancers, right? Um, And leukemia. Okay, now, cytarabine is a drug that is used to treat in chemotherapy, right? It Actually, Wikipedia says cytarabine, and that's C-Y-T-A-R-A-B-I-N-E, C-Y-tara, if you want to look it up yourself, is mainly used in the treatment of acute myeloid leukemia um, and other leukemias, um, leukemias rather, and in lymphomas, where it is the backbone of induction chemotherapy. So Google it and read on it, it's Cytarabine. And it also possesses antiviral activity, and it has been used for the treatment of generalized herpes virus infection. Of course, it has severe side effects like bone marrow suppression, um, but it is an antiviral and it is an anti-cancer. And so I Googled, okay, what's the natural source of citerabine? Cy- cy- because it's a, it's a synthetic drug, but it's been synthesized from something natural, right? And so it comes from a mushroom called Xerocomus nigromaculatus*. So there you go. And you can find all of this on Google because we all have smartphones. So then I started thinking about what other parasites and other issues that people have problems with and the links between cancer and parasites. So I have heard several times that people have said that sugar feeds cancer. Not only just heard it, I have read it, sugar feeds cancer. But I've also read that sugar also feeds um candida. Okay? Candida, for those who don't know, is uh the it's a fungus, um, it's a yeast um that causes like yeast infections, thrush, and some people have have even said that it can cause like IBS and it can cause um Crohn's. And so a lot of naturopathic doctors put their clients um, on anti-Candida diets um, in order to help their body's gut heal itself. But the, the primary thing for me is I've read some research that has shown that there are some uh, cases of people who have had cancer and also had extremely high levels of this yeast candida in their system. So what does candida, which is a parasite, have to do with anything? Why am I bringing it up? Well, one there has been a I think statistically you can you can probably look at our increase of antibiotics and compare it to our the rate of increase of cancers in this country and I think that you would see that going going see them kind of working together one on one. I didn't have the time to sit there and try to research it because I I didn't want to spend my whole day on my phone. But I guarantee you that we have seen an uptake of of cancer um, and it correlates to antibiotic use. Or now, correlation does not imply causation. We know that, but the correlation is there, right? So there is one, and then two. You also have seen that the more antibiotic, you know, use that we've seen when they've been we when has been fed to like animals, right, like cows. Um, and it, of course, shows up in our milks and things like that, we've also seen an increase, an influx of gut disease and inflammation across the board, across the United States. Now, why am I bringing up antibiotics? Well, the thing is, this is you know kind of common sense, but when you take antibiotics, a lot of the time, too, a lot of this bacteria, or I'm sorry, antibiotics um, also tend to be derivative of yeast, um, because in your gut there's supposed to be a healthy balance of yeast and bacteria. Um, if you have a bad bacteria, then you take an antibiotic, and I think penicillin was it was a yeast. Um, I don't think this is facts, um, or these are facts. So you take the yeast, and then the yeast you basically flood your system with yeast, and then the yeast consumes the bad bacteria, and then you know problem solved. Except by introducing all this fucking yeast into your system, um, one, you're also killing a lot of good bacteria because the yeast don't really discriminate um, whether or not this is a beneficial bacteria for you or not. And so after you use antibiotic, you basically create a, a, uh, uh, an environment in your gut and in your body for yeast cells to then proliferate because there is no bacteria to keep them in check. And so that's why a lot of the times, 10 times out of 10, um, or nine times out of 10, a lot of people who take antibiotics end up having thrush and yeast infections because of what I just stated, right? If you, everything is about balance. So if you take out a bunch of good bacteria, there's nothing to really If you indiscriminately take out a bunch of bacteria, there is nothing really to keep the yeast, both the yeast that's naturally found in your body and possibly the yeast that you just kind of put into your body. There is nothing there to really counter that, counter their overgrowth. So you do end up with yeast overgrowth in your system, which then causes other problems. Um, Another thing that I've read, and this is not mainstream, but a lot of naturopathic doctors and I've seen and talked to naturopathic doctors as well. Um, and I encourage you to find a naturopathic doctor and talk to them about candida and see what they tell you. Um, but they, they have said that kids and people with um, uh, like Asperger's and autism tend to also have excessive amounts of yeast in their system. And so you can do this research yourself. We all have access to Google, but go ahead and Google if you're interested in this topic. I mean, I just, I want you to know that a lot of the things that I'm talking about, if not all the things I'm talking about is easily verifiable. And I also want to encourage listeners to not just hear something and take it at face value, go and do the work and do the research yourself, right? Instead of just taking what I said, what I'm saying and running with it. But a a lot of naturopathic doctors have said that there is a correlation between like yeast overgrowth, and um, and uh, like symptoms of Asperger's and symptoms of autism, and and I have read like I've read online, I've read testimonials of parents who put their children on a anti candida diet. And they have noticed that their their children's symptoms of autism has has have improved right so now you're asking okay, so what is the anti candida diet well it cons- it consists of a reduction of sugar an extreme in most cases reduction of sugar um, avoiding milks, um, which i'm guessing is because of the antibiotics that are in our everyday, you know, milk from the milk store. Um, and, uh, avoiding, you know, processed G- GMO grain, um, cause who knows what the fuck they've done to it. And, and maybe the excess gluten feeds the yeast probably. Um, so avoiding grain, avoiding bread, um, avoiding, you know, non-organic food, because a lot of the stuff that's, you know, God knows what's in the food and what kind of reactions it has into in your body. Um, but more importantly, supplementing with anti anti-parasit- antiparasitics. So artemisinin is a big one. Um, Paldarco is a big one. Caprylic acid is a big one. Um, NaC, which is a cysteine, um, which is an anti inflammatory um, MSM, which is an antiparasitic, um, all these order- other things basically to kill the candida or at least to severely lessen its prevalence in the gut, in the bloodstream, in the body of a person that's been aff- afflicted with uh, autism and Asperger's, right, um, but that same anti-Candida diet also works for people who have uh, IBS, right? irritable bowel syndrome and Crohn's. And a lot of people who develop IBS and Crohn's also tend to develop it after, particularly IBS, after a particularly potent round of antibiotics. So you, are you starting to kind of see what's happening here? So I started really putting everything together and then still going back to, you know, to cancer um, and to sugar and to meat, right? And I'm st- I was starting to think, I'm starting to think, like, what if cancer isn't your, your body's immune system just kind of deciding arbitrarily to just start overgrowing cells, like, you know, out of control, That's not how your immune system works. I mean, it's pretty, you have a pretty strong immune system despite what we have been led to believe. Um, And it's doing the best for the most part, despite all the stuff that we're doing to our bodies. The fact that most of us are still walking and talking and alive is impressive to me considering all the toxins that is in our food, in our air, and in our water. So, your immune system doesn't just go ham just to go ham, and cells don't just arbitrarily decide just to start replicating uncontrollably. So, I, I'm starting to wonder, or to think, or to suspect that at the root cause of all disease isn't inflammation. I had somebody tell me that. They quoted Dr. Sebi, who was like a naturopathic practitioner. I don't think he was an actual doctor, um, but he called himself a doctor. And he said that, you know, the root cause of all disease is inflammation and eating an alkaline diet is how you more or less beat disease. Um, The root cause of all disease is not inflammation. Inflammation is your body's reaction to a pathogen. Once again, the root cause of all disease is not inflammation. Inflammation is your body's immune system's reaction to the presence of a perceived threat. It's trying to protect itself. Okay, so then what is causing the inflammation? And that's what you need to start paying more attention to. I found that one of the derivatives of... I think I wanted to find out what uh, hydrochloroquine came from. And I found out that it was coal tar. Um, Now, I'm not 100% sure or certain about that because... There's clearly a lot going on, but give me one second. Let me Google that, and then I'll move on. Okay, so I took a break to go find out where I found the coal tar um, being used as an antiviral, and I couldn't find the article, and I apologize for that. But in my search for coal tar, I realized and I found that it was an anti inflammatory and it was also an antifungal. Um, I'm saying all of this, and I might have lost my train of thought from pausing to kind of do the search and then coming back, but I'm going to try to pull everything together. I'm saying all of this to say that, to quote Dr. Sebi, where he said, you know, the root cause of all disease is inflammation, and my response is that the root cause of all disease is not inflammation. You can find inflammation at the root of all disease, but I think the cause of most diseases, I can't speak for all, but I think the cause of most diseases um, are parasites. Um, because across the board, it seems like anti-parasitic drugs tend to work against everything from psoriasis, um, which is um, you know a skin inflammation, to uh, viruses, to actual worms and also cancer. And I, like I said, there's been a correlation too between people who consume a lot of sugar that end up developing tumors and cancers. I personally, myself, um, when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with a a tumorous growth on one of my uh, ovaries. And, um, they never biopsied it. It was sort of a malpractice thing, but they took out, you know, the ovary and this like gigantic like tumor. Like I looked like I was pregnant. So I went from zero to like six months pregnant in like three weeks. And, um, and, uh, then I had to have chemotherapy. Um, but what had, what had led to that was, it was October 31st was obviously Halloween and I'd gone trick-or-treating with my friends and I got a whole bunch of candy. And then over the span of like two weeks, I ate all of that candy. (laughs) And I think my parents had been traveling or they just weren't like on top of me. And I think what it was, was that I more or less, like I think I might've taken like an antibiotic like everybody else, you know, had and has, and my gut was already out of balance. And then it was just perfect timing, right? So after, you know, getting off of antibiotics, like a couple of years later and not, you know, balancing, rebalancing your gut with good bacteria and probiotics, uh, I, you know, happened to just consume a lot of sugar and sugar feeds yeast, right? Sugar yeast feeds on sugar. Candida feeds on sugar, Right, so it was like a perfect storm, and as a result, I ended up feeding you know the yeast in my body, um, but also probably this cancer like th- th- that 's what i 'm starting to theorize um, because another thing I noticed was that uh, lupus, which is an autoimmune disorder, is also uh, be- also is being treated by uh, chloroquine, which is why a lot of um, people who have lupus are afraid that if they claim that, you know, hydrochloroquine is like an official treatment, they might not be able to have access to their, um, to their drugs, but, uh, chloroquine is an immunosuppressant, but it's also an antiparasitic, um, and I'm just wondering if we're all lost in labels and unable to see things that are literally like right in front of us, right there. And and that's kind of the point of this episode. is like I'm I'm seeing something, and I don't have the background in chemistry. Um, I'm gonna have to talk to one of my friends who does, um, and just to see if they can see what I'm seeing. Um, but I I just I'm I'm starting to think that like diseases like obviously the flu. H one N one and things like that. If we stop looking at a virus as something separately from a uh, from a parasite, which it seems like a lot of virologists already kind of seem inclined to do, and then we start to kind of apply that same logic to cancers, could an antiviral mixed with an antiparasitic drug and a diet that is an antiparasitic, you know, diet? be combined to treat cancers, some cancers. Now, I also was curious as how far does this parasitic connection really drive? Um, First, they have said that uh, the reason why uh, if you cannot get your hands on antibacterial lotion, just wash your hands with soap. Well, soap works because soap, the pH of soap, right, is super basic and it's super alkaline and the, al- you know, alkalinity, did I say that right? Um, destroys microphages or destroys bacteria. It breaks down their cell wall and whatever. until it kills the bacteria. Um, And then I think about how people push an alkaline diet, right? A diet rich in ginger and lime juice and um, because even though lime juice is acidic, it somehow gets converted to um, uh, a higher pH in your body. That's what I read. Um, But maybe the reason why a lot of vegans don't develop cancer and then a lot of meat eaters do is because one, the meats that we have are, um, they possess, you know, these these animals are fed, these cows are fed a diet that includes antibiotics and those antibiotics don't go anywhere. So when you eat, you know, the the cow you're also taking in the antibiotics so there's that and then two um meat is extremely acidic and as it breaks down into your breaks down in your system it becomes even more acidic um and so there's that um there's also one correlation that i found with uh i should have written this down i, I was just jumping from thought to thought but there was also one correlation that i found with um sort of Antiviral and anti-cancer drugs, but I can't think of it right now. So I don't even know why I brought it up. Um. So there's that. Um. But I just I'm I'm, I'm like really I did a I did an episode about scurvy cancer and weed. And how, you know, there was, actually I've done two episodes about scurvy because it just keeps popping up into my mind and how a crazy disease like scurvy was treated by something as simple as like fruit, vitamin C or whatever. Um, And then I did that coal tar episode where I talked about how you can find the same active ingredient in Tylenol, which they get from coal, from the tar of coal, which um, contains within it. And I don't know how or why, um, but contains within coal tar, um, uh, immunosuppressant. I'm sorry, not an immunosuppressant. Um, and uh, anti-inflammatory, and um, you can also find that that same sort of uh, response in uh, willow bark. So I talked about that. Um, and I just I know that we live in a society right now that everything seems to be kind of pushed through the lens of big pharma. Like I get it. And I don't even know if I necessarily I mean like I kinda have said like you know big pharma would rather have you know they would rather make a profit than see people healed. Um which is true because that's their business model. I mean that's how they operate. Um and so if they can keep that wheel kinda turning, it allows them to you know, meet their earnings reports and then and uh you know, you know, provide Uh, a positive earning report and, uh, and, and be profitable. So, you know, they have what they have deemed to be more important, which isn't necessarily healing people. It's keeping a company running. And in their minds also, big pharmaceutical companies, maybe they look at it as, well, we're not doing anything wrong because we're providing jobs for all these people. And so if we never really actively cure a disease and we just treat it, you know, these people can stay kind of employed, you know, doctors and and pharmacists and sales agents and things of that nature. So if they can treat the disease without effectively causing it, it keeps that economic wheel turning. Um, I can understand that perspective. I'm not saying it's necessarily the right perspective. I'm just saying I can understand that perspective because I've been working on putting myself and, you know, instead of villainizing people, um, putting myself in the other perspective and saying, well, I can see how that makes sense. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying in their eyes, their behavior makes sense. So taking that same mindset. I've long suspected that the cure for cancer has would be something super simple. And maybe it is just consistently taking antiparasitics. Um, and not just cancer but other sort of what they what look to be autoimmune disorders. Because guess what else works against lupus? If you read, you know, articles, artemisinin works against lupus, right? Um, but so does an anti-candida diet, right? So to me, across the board, it just seems like you could theoretically look at all diseases or 99% of diseases. As having a root cause in some sort of parasitic infection of the human body. Whether it's a, a large parasite like a worm or a tiny parasite like a virus, by definition, a parasite is something external that hooks onto you and utilizes your body to basically meet its needs. I mean, they're human beings that are human parasites, right? By definition, if you open up the broad. So then, that's a, if that's the case, it would explain why antiparasitic drugs that work against, you know, worms and things of that nature can also be utilized against um, viruses, and it might also support my idea of cancer itself being a type of parasite. So maybe something that we're just not conscious of, and by we, I mean the general public, and maybe even some scientists, I don't know, that hijacks the immune system and causes you know, these cells to just grow uncontrollably or whatever in order to meet whatever that the parasite's needs are at the, at the detriment of the host. I have read that there has been a link, there is a link between candida and cancer the information is out there, do your own research and talk to medical you know, professionals and see, and, and by medical professionals, I would, I would say probably more naturopathic doctors because they tend to have more knowledge on the herbal aspects of treatments versus like the synthetic aspects of treatment and operating with the knowledge that a lot of the drugs that we take now, the prescription drugs are all just synthesized versions of a plant. Like even that chemotherapy drug that I mentioned earlier, um I it's, a, it's a Cytarabine. I researched it and I found out that Cytarabine is isolated from the mushroom Xyro or zero with an x Comus nigro maculatus or whatever. I I know I'm butchering it. Sorry, but the information is out there. You can find it. Um, so clearly, clearly they have a plant, right? And this is their job. A lot of drug companies do that. They find a plant that can more or less treat the disease for whatever reason, whether it's lime juice, whether it's coconut, whether it's um, artemisinin, wormwood, uh, ginger, turmeric, marijuana THC CBD, and more you know all of the drugs that we consume now and by we i mean the American people consume now can you can I, I can guarantee you that the majority of them come from nature, come from plants, which is why you know the Amazonian rainforest burning hurts us because you know there are so many undiscovered plants that could you know heal us although some would argue yeah maybe except for the fact that big pharma takes those plants and tries to create synthetic versions of that but if you want to switch perspectives and say well why would they well you can't really maybe the way they look at it is well they don't you can't really mass grow a lot of these treatments so if you can synthesize um if you could synthesize a plant derivative of something then it 's easier to mass produce it to 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 meet the needs of billions of people and Of course, the profits is just a nice uh, <laughs> side effect to that, so that argument can be made you know okay that 's fine so i'm not i 'm not trying to rip on pharmaceutical companies a big farmer like I understand that they have their you know if you talk to people who work in pharmaceutical companies, they don 't think that they 're the bad guys, and they don 't think that you know, telling people, hey, you know, this drug that we use to treat cancer actually came from this mushroom, um, but we've created the synthetic version of that mushroom that more or less does the same thing. I, I, I they could probably easily do that, but then what people would do is you know, they would just go mass buy that mushroom or whatever, and then you know, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't be in business. Right. So I guess what they're doing could fall under the grounds of trade secrets. And now I'm starting to understand why so many people think that capitalism is evil, um, <laughs> because it's this like blind drive for profit, um, that makes it so a lot of the diseases that people are suffering from, um, is happening but then you can you can also argue that for example you have people who have like i think it's i think it's type 2 diabetes where basically all you have to do is change the way you eat and stop consuming sugar right um feeding whatever sort of thing that you're not even conscious of that you're feeding um whatever invisible parasite is causing the diabetes um in your body and feeding off of the sugar and then thus you know destroying your body And, and i guarantee you that if I did some research, I might start to find that there is some sort of parasitic link to diabetes. And by parasitic, I don't mean like a worm. I mean like a viral virus or bacteria or both, um, or something else that we're not even conscious of that's even smaller. Um, but, you know, a lot of doctors will tell their patients, you know, you don't have to get on, on you know, diabetic medication. You can start working out and you can start eating better and cut these things out. But some people, a lot of people would much rather just not change the way they behave and not change the way they approach life. And instead they would rather just take a drug. So, you know, that's why pharmaceutical companies exist, right? I can sit here like I've done right now and say, do the research, you know, and look into antiparasitics just to see like how you can improve, improve your health right i i can i can do what i did and I'm, what i'm doing right now put it out there and i can tell you to look into things like artemisinin because honestly we take in so many parasites like i used to eat fucking sushi all the time and then i saw an x-ray of this like japanese guy who was literally like infected i 'm cringing right now, just thinking about the image he was literally infected with like worms, and that was the last time I ate parasite or ate parasites ate sushi because like we're, you're eating like a fish gets parasites I, i've actually i bought fish I bought a fish from the Asian market, so fresh from you know they they freshly caught it, cut that fish open, and seen a worm wiggling in there, and obviously lost my shit <laughs> now you're not preparing your sushi. You don't know if when that person cut that fish open, there was a worm in that fish you're about to eat and they just kind of washed up the worm and then you're just eating its eggs. But guess where those eggs are going to hatch? Right? And then we give our dogs worm medication and we give our cats worm medication um but we don't deworm ourselves unless you end up with like a pinworm infection or dengue fever or or malaria, then of course, then you reach for the anti-parasitics. But I think that just on GP, we as human beings in general, and the last time I said this, (laughs) we all ended up having to wear masks, so I'm being mindful of not saying this. The last time I said, I I said, I think we should all just wear masks during flu season just to keep from spreading the uh, disease, like viruses, the way they did, they do in Asia, which if I think if we did, if it was our custom to do so, I don't know if, you know, what what we're going through right now would be as extreme. Although some have argued that it's not about the virus anymore. It's about authoritarian regime being instilled across the world and the NWO that all the presidents after Kennedy had more or less touted and pushed. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think that we as a as a civilization, should get into the habit of doing what civilizations before us did, our ancestors did, which was, you know, consuming like black walnut and wormwood and um, seeds, um, certain seeds and certain, um, just all of these different plants. That that the primary purpose that they served was to uh, evacuate and get rid of parasites. tapeworm, pinworm, roundworm, right? We, we give these medications to our dogs who just eat basic, you know, like dog food. And we're not thinking about the fact that we need to deworm warm ourselves. These are facts, guys. I'm sorry if it's grossing you out, but a lot of people are walking around with parasites in their body, whether it's a worm or a virus or a bacteria, it's all in there, guys. It's in your gut, you know? And if you don't do something to kind of counter that, it will, uh, well, you're just allowing them to continue to, uh, to live in your body. Now, uh, <laughs> sorry for that unpleasant conversation, um, but these are facts. Now, I started to do some research on other diseases just out of sheer curiosity. And I found out, uh, I found a new scientist.com article that, is, that has linked Alzheimer's disease to bacteria, specifically the bacteria that causes gingivitis in your gums uh that scared the fuck out of me, I'm not gonna lie. And then I saw another article um where I wanted to look I looked up um parasites and dementia and I found that the worm there is a worm that causes inflammation of the body's tissues in response to this parasite. And when this occurs, this worm uh, can cause seizures, memory loss, and headaches. Um, and that warm, the name of that warm, is a uh, tapeworm. In Nigeria, they give kids tapeworm medicine, like just regularly, and I'm sure in other countries as well. But I don't, I think, I for some reason they don't do that here, um, and I'm not entirely sure why. But I found that article and then I saw an article on ScienceDirect.com that says, um, the article reads, reversible dementia in the elderly is as rare a manifestation, or I'm sorry, I can't read, (laughs) reversible dementia in the elderly as a rare manifestation of neurocysticosis, I I have a hard time obviously with those words, Um, neurocysticosis. Cystic, oh, NCC is a leading cause of seizure and epilepsy worldwide. And they're more or less saying that uh, dementia can be... Oh, here it is. NCC is a serious public health problem in several developing countries in Latin America, Asia, and Africa. It is well known that NCC, the commonest parasitic brain disease... Causes epilepsy, focal neurological uh, signs, intracranial hypertension, stroke, non-psychiatry, I'm sorry, neuropsychiatry symptoms, um, et cetera. And progressive dementia. Uh, so there's that. Um. So then I was like, um, okay, hmm. What else could worms and parasites cause? And um, I found, uh, I probably should have started this article, this uh, podcast. Like if you are queasy, you might want to skip this one. But this is information that, that is good good to know. Um, there is a virus that, I'm sorry, not a virus. There's a parasite, I'm sure you guys have heard of this, that has that has been found in the feces of cats called Toxyplosmosis gondii. And I'm probably destroying that name um, as well. But it has been linked to uh, schizophrenia, um, believe it or not. But in this news article, I saw um, this same uh, parasite, can actually cause emotional responses, including outbursts of anger. The University of Chicago researchers say a parasite commonly spread from cats to humans may play a role in impulsive aggression. Their research into the parasite Toxoplasma gondii is part of their broader effort to improve diagnosis and treatment of people with recurrent bowels of extreme anger, such as road rage. Toxoplasmosis is a parasitic disease that is most commonly transmitted through the feces of infected cats. People can contract it, and from, contract it from handling cat litter. It can also be found in undercooked meat, speaking of sushi, um, or contaminated water. Mm. The parasite that causes it is carried by nearly 30% of all humans, and in most cases is considered relatively harmless The CDC, I don't know if I trust that, (laughs) if we're all walking around raging because of a parasite in our body. The CDC um, estimates that more than 60 million people in America may have it. Nice. Okay. In some people... Researchers have found a link between the parasite and intermittent explosive disorder. They, they fucking have a label for everything. There's always a name for everything. Anyway, it's a psych, it's, according to them, it's a psychiatric disorder characterized by recurrent, impulsive, problematic outbursts of, outbursts of verbal or physical aggression that are disproportionate to the situations that trigger them. Literally, there is a virus. And by virus, I mean a parasite that can cause you to have emotional reactions. I will say this. I personally, um, after I had my daughter, this is a personal story I'm sharing with you guys. After I had my daughter, they found another tumor growing um, on my ovary. And I told myself, I'm not going to let these people keep open me up and taking stuff out of me anymore because what they're doing is they're treating the symptom they're not dealing with the root cause of the disorder and so i found a naturopath and i talked to her and she said iodine um i need to make sure that i take kelp because iodine helps you keep your emotions balanced um but it's also and by emotions i'm sorry i used the wrong word not emotions your hormones in balance and um and uh, of course, if you have excess levels of estrogen, then it can cause, you know, uh, reproductive tumors and cancers. Um, now that I'm saying that, I want to, I'm gonna Google iodine and parasites. Boom. There is no virus, no bacteria or parasite that has been shown to be resistant to iodine therapy. And guess what else they, they use to treat cancer patients? Hold on. I got to find the, yeah, radioactive iodine. Radioactive iodine therapy for thyroid cancer. There's something here, guys. There's something here. I, I, I genuinely am starting to really think that at the root cause of all of this, at the root cause of all of this, of all the diseases, it's not inflammation. The inflammation is just a response to something else that we can't see. And it's a parasite. From, from fucking viruses and bacteria all the way all the way to cancer. Shit, dementia as well. And maybe even mood swings. Anyway, like I was saying before I went and I, and I researched, um, I Googled the, the iodine um, or iodine and, and cancer. Um, I, I also just on GP and at the recommendation of the naturopathic doctor, she recommended that I switch to a low glycemic, like a low sugar um, diet. And so I, I have for like almost over a decade, um, which is funny because what did I say at the beginning of this episode? That I have been on a search and on a path towards being a more conscious individual for the same amount of time. Since I have Stopped eating and consuming as much. I don't eat fast food anymore. I don't drink soda. I don't eat processed food. I um, only really drink water. And that water has been filtered using, uh, we have an RO system. So uh, reverse osmosis system. Um, And I take things to kill candida in my body as per the recommendations of that naturopath. And I also take iodine. On, on a daily basis. So ever since, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you the things that I take, they all, it just ends up working out and I actually Googled that today and found out that a lot of stuff that I've been taking, which, these are things that she recommended to prevent cancer going forward. But if you research it, you find that they also have antiparasitic attributes. So I take MSM every day, MSM powder. I put it in my water and I drink it. I have a huge bottle of water and I drink it throughout the day. Um, about once a week, anywhere from once a week to once a month, I take artemisinin anyway. Um, just on GP, I just think that your body needs something bitter. or I should say I just thought that your body needs something bitter um, to counter all these fruits and stuff like that. And also because it's an antiparasitic Artemis, and I don't travel without it. When we went to, my husband and I went to Amsterdam, he had some fish at the airport, which I don't know why he would do that. But he, um, and we ate at the same place. Um, He ended up having like a gut issue for like two weeks and I was perfectly fine. But the thing was when he first started, I think he started throwing up first. No, no, he ended up, he was going to the bathroom. When it first started, I said, take this wormwood." which is missing, and he wouldn't take it because, you know, men don't really listen to their wives or whatever, and I was like, all right, cool, you're lost. Um, I took it, and I was fine. There have been times when I've had, like, a reaction to, like, um, shrimp, and I'll take warm wood. Like, immediately, as soon as I start either burping weird um, or my stomach starts distending, I immediately go and I take warm wood, like, two or three droppers full, and I, t- I always take the liquid form. Um, and then boom, everything is gone. I've also noticed that any sort of autoimmune or like, like I, I have like, um, gut issues or I used to, um, when I was just eating all willy nilly. But if I eat something that starts to cause a reaction in me, usually ginger and, um, warm boom, no, no pain, no inflammation or anything like that. So I take that at least once a week. Um, iodine, like I said, in kelp form, I take it to kelp caps, uh, every day, just one, but every day. And I give my, you know, my family the same thing. Uh, ginger capsules. I take it every day. Turmeric every day. Curcumin every day. Pau every day. Now I guarantee you, if you sit and you write down all the things that I've listed, um, N-A-C- Pretty much every day. And serene, I try to take it every day. It's good for your memory. But now I, I'm finding out that it also kills um, parasites. But if you sit down, and specifically the first things that I touted, if you sit down and you write down everything I just listed, kelp and iodine, right? Um, artemisinin, um, MSM, uh, What else? guess, or you can look up Wormwood. Um, um, caprylic acid. I guarantee you, just go on Google and type in caprylic acid parasites. You'll read up on everything that it says and then do the same search, but for cancer. Caprylic acid cancer. Caprylic acid, uh, I'm sorry, Wormwood cancer, Wormwood parasites. Uh, iodine cancer, iodine parasites. I guarantee you, you'll find boom, boom, boom across the board that what is used to treat parasites, these these herbs that I that I use to treat to prevent cancer, according to, you know, the the recommendation of this naturopathic doctor that I went to go see can also are also anti parasitic. So can you can you after a while does don't you start looking at everything and thinking, wait, what's what's really there's a there's something here msm for sure i and i never even really looked it up msm i, I actually started taking msm just because i'm vain um my my resident hall advisor um she like when i talked to her she always had long kind of beautiful curly hair um and she was african american she actually has her blog Um, which I'm not going to name drop because I don't, that's Curly Nikki. Um, (laughs) She's awesome. She was an awesome person. Um, I just didn't want to like, you know, bring her status down by associating with the things that I'm talking about, but she is pretty cool people. Um, And she was when I was in college, but she was the one who first told me about MSM. She's like, I take MSM and it makes my hair grow. And I was like, shit, I'm trying to get my hair to grow. Um, And so I've just always taken it. And I noticed, and I've noticed, and I've said this before, that whenever Every time I take it, like I've been taking it for years, I just feel energized, I feel good. Um, But I've also noticed that I'm not, I don't age. I'm not aging. I don't, I have no wrinkles on my face. In fact, I was starting to have wrinkles on my forehead, like one wrinkle on my forehead. And that's when I stopped drinking. Um, But then I started to make sure that I was taking the MSM um, powders on a daily basis and that wrinkle went away. So now today, before this episode... Uh, before I recorded this episode, I googled um, MSM and parasites just to see. And it says MSM is active against uh, traveler's diarrhea, uh, trichomonas vaginalis, or vaginalis. I think that's like a bacteria infection of the vagina. Um, Nematodes. and I'm laughing because I'm fucking up these words. Uh, Enterobias and other intestinal worms, systemic infections by histoplasma capsulations, uh, coccidioides, toxoplasm, ooh, that has toxoplasm in the name, and other uh, in vitro susceptible organisms. That's just, I typed in MSM parasites. Maybe what's causing our bodies to age and break down, we're going to find out in 100 years, is that nobody really had to really age, not as rapidly as people have been aging, is that we're not, taking, we're not effectively, effectively taking MSM and other antiparasitics, which is funny because we give our animals, like people who train horses give their animals MSM, but we don't think that, hey, we have organic bodies, we should be doing the same thing too. Let's all start putting two and two together, you know like i I genuinely think that you know like I've always said like i always like to I always like to think about what are we going to look back on on the things that we do now and think like man, like if they only knew to just do this, right like if doctors only knew like two hundred years ago all they had to do was wash their hands, how many lives would have been saved, and now I think about like the epidemic that we have of like you know cancer and all these other diseases dementia and uh alzheimers if all of this stuff is caused by a parasite and all we had to do is just stay on top of taking antiparasitics right lime juice ginger juice instead of soda um msm um, uh wormwood occasionally uh caprylic acid um switching from regular sugar to coconut sugar um, like Maybe that's the key to getting over a lot of the stuff that we're going through right now. And what I was starting to say was, after changing my diet and taking all these anti... um, They were were supposed to be anti-inflammatories, but they also are anti-parasitic, which what I've been saying repeatedly in this episode is that it's not the inflammation that these drugs are killing. It's the parasites that are causing the inflammation, like turmeric is killing parasites. I, I don't have to Google it. I'm just, I, I know that if I Google turmeric and parasites, I'm going to see a correlation there just based on everything else that I fucking researched. If uh, uh, a parasite can cause people to have emotional mood swings, how do we not know, how do we know that parasites aren't behind bipolar disorders or depression? I used to be very emotionally reactive, like rage, like little things would set me off and I could feel the rage. Like, like, you just say the wrong things and boom, like, I would react. But I just read you an article that said that there's a parasite that's found in, in feces that 60 million Americans have. And under, quote unquote, normal circumstances, it doesn't really affect people, which I call bullshit. All these autoimmune disorders that we're saying, you know, our body's just attacking itself. no. Something has hijacked our immune system and is forcing your body to attack itself. It's got to be a parasite. And by parasite, I'm including viruses and bacteria along with worms. I have a feeling this is going to be probably one of my more, if not most important episodes I've ever done. But I have a concern that it's probably not going to reach, you know, people who need to hear the information. Um, and like I said at the beginning, like, if you think it's going don't, to... I don't recommend you share this with people who are, you know, quote-unquote unconscious. Because the more I realize, the more, the more I think about it, the more I'm realizing, does consciousness have a... Can consciousness be attained through, like, treatment. Like, can you treat unconsciousness as a disease? And can you make people conscious by more or less giving them antiparasitics, parasitics and, and not just on the physical level. Because like I said, I started down this path of consciousness when I started eating differently and taking all these drugs. It's almost like my mind became clearer and I became more in control of myself. But if there is a biological like if if you can say, hey, you can be more conscious if you just eat this way and take these, you know, things, like that could this could be the key to making humanity overall more conscious. right if a lot of our unconscious behavior and our reactivity might more or less be is being caused by parasites that are as of as of now largely unknown to the general public that i mean it can you know we know that for example the aids virus can literally hijack a person's body and make them sexually active and like uh what's the word, uh, horny for lack of a better, better word, right before the virus knows that the individual is about to die because it wants to be able to pass itself on to a next host. If a virus can just hijack a person's mind like that, like an HIV virus can, and so that's just the case of the HIV virus, and then you have the, like the toxoplasma uh, gandhi, whatever, that can hijack you and make you reactive and angry, then maybe the cure to like a, a person, like a bipolar disorder or depression, isn't you having to go on, like, you know, I don't know what, what the medication is for that, but you can literally just take antiparasitics. I mean, that's a thought. You know, you can't strive on working on being in control of yourself if there's things inside of you that have more or less that have hijacked you. Right? You almost have to deal with that first. And if there's an easier way to consciousness, which just stems from eating cleaner and taking, you know, like monolaurin, which is an antiparasitic, caprylic acid, which is an antiparasitic, um, But it would make you less neurotic, why not do the research and talk to a naturopathic doctor um, about it and and see what works for you? I know personally, like I said, I have become less angry, less reactive than I used to be. And here's the other thing too. Uh, I don't have PMS. Period. I, I don't have PMS at all. And I used to be like severely... Bloated, distended, like crampy, all of that. Now I just, I need my phone to tell me, okay, your cycle is about to start in like 27 days or whatever. And that's it. I don't, I barely get bloated, barely. I don't get like emotional. And and that's the thing. Like what is going on with your hormones and your body? Is there Could there be a parasitic agent that causes PMS? I understand that if that was the the treatment across the board is just anti-parasites, a lot of drug companies could theoretically go out of business. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe they could just look at a different model, you know, and and start coming up with more effective anti-parasitics across the board. I mean, if there's a drug that you could take and it's an anti put, I mean, that's a business, you know, that's just something big pharma could get into. That would make you money. You mean there's a drug that I can take that not only kills a bunch of fucking parasites in my body, but it can also keep me from aging and make me conscious, less reactive? Give me peace? It's just a pill? Hell yeah, people would pay for that. Why not? I mean, I'm not saying, that, you know, forego the natural uh, course, but we live in a society where people have been programmed to forego the natural and take the drugs. So I'm just saying there's a business here for pharmaceutical companies. If that's, you know, if, if you need the carrot on a stick to dangle that in order to get people to, you know, get these companies to shift their focus into researching how parasites cause depression, bipolar disorder, rage, along with cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes even. We could be looking at a brighter future. Of course, you could argue maybe they don't want that. I don't know. But in the meantime, if you're listening to this, I've given you a wealth of information. And I encourage you to do the research. Do the research. Don't just run off on what I said. I've I've given you enough information. Do the research. And one more thing, I'm going to end with this. Um, Parasites aren't only relegated to the brain. I'm sorry, to the body and to the physical form. Fear is a is a parasite. Right? It hijacks your brain. And takes control over you and it makes you behave in a way that you wouldn't normally behave and in a way that's not beneficial for you. So the reason why I say stop watching the news is because like they say with COVID-19, right? If a person has a viral load, a heavy viral load of the of the virus and you spend time in proximity to them, you are likely to get infected too and you're likely to uh, have a, a, a more serious case of the disease. Well, the media is the epicenter of the fear virus. And every time you tune in, you are spending time with people who are spreading the virus and you spend enough time with that and your mind your soul your psyche will get infected with that virus with that parasite that is called fear and then you will spread that fear to loved ones